church. How are you doing? Um, my name is Patricia. It has been a hot minute since I have been up here speaking in front of you guys. Um, in fact, um, today I ran into Giovanni, and he was like, it's very different from the times we were in South Tampa in the lobby. And I remember that one time Pastor Hal asked me to speak, in, um, and it was, oh, it was a while back. He asked me to speak. He came in. It was the first time I ever spoke at Exchange. And I was so excited. I was like, worked on my message. I walked in. I saw you guys. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I walked back out. I called Chrissy. I'm like, I don't think I can do this. Um, and she, thank you. Um, and she said, get your butt back in there and do it. Um, so I say that because, and I'm so glad that I did. Of course, I wouldn't have not done it, but um, I'm so glad I did because there's probably some of you that have walked in here today and wanted to turn around and walk back out. You're like, oh gosh, there's so many people. And I'm so glad you didn't. And I'm so glad you stayed. And there's a couple of you in here that are Chrissy's that are like, get your butt in there, um, have community. And I'm so happy for those people too. We all need a Chrissy in our life to kind of push us forward. Um, but like I said, if you guys don't know me, my name is Patricia and I am the um, associate campus pastor at Temple Terrace. Woo woo, Temple Terrace. Um, I have been at Grace for 15 years, on staff for 10 at Van Dyke, um, and within the last month I've moved over to Temple Terrace, and it has been such an amazing journey, um, and I'm super excited to be there. Um, I also have three amazing kids, um, just a little bit about myself, and I always want to talk about them because they're pretty cool, um, but I have a son who is 17, who is a senior and graduating, and will be in y'all's shoes pretty soon. Um, he just got accepted into Auburn, War East. So that's where he's heading in the fall. I know. I am such a proud mom. Um, and then I have a 15-year-old daughter, Carmen, and a and she's just as awesome, and a 13-year-old um, daughter, Mary Grace, So um, who just started um, and made the varsity basketball team. And I watched her practice today because I had to hurry up and come. And... Um, Gosh, like she's a little thing, and I don't even know how she made this varsity squad, but I was so proud of her. Um, I saw her in there kind of shoving people around. That was definitely not my sport. But so we are starting the new Inside Out series, and I am going to get this mic good, I promise, but I talk loud anyway. Um, anyway, we're starting the new Inside Out series. I'm super excited about it. Um, I'm super excited to start it. Um, Pastor Hal came in. He's like, hey, I really want you to talk. I'm going to be out of town. Which one do you want um, out of all of these? And I like, was like, soul. I want soul. And I'm like, I have no idea why I even said that, right? I started researching. I'm like, why did I pick soul? I could have picked heart. Like, I could talk about my heart and how we love God with our heart. I could talk about my mind or even the strength that we have to go through to love Christ. I'm like, why did I pick, why did I jump and pick soul? Um, but I'm glad I did. Because um, as I researched it and really um, dug into this, it's Matthew 22, 37 is where we're going to park for the next couple weeks. And um, it is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. And today I'm going to hone in on loving God with all of your soul. And before I get in to talk about it, I wanted to talk about two people that I love dearly who have now passed away, but I wanted to show a picture of what it looks like to love someone else with all of your soul. And so you can put the screen, you can put the picture up on the screen. These are my grandparents. It's abuelo and abuela to me. And um, they were born in Cuba, uh, married young, I know, go Cuba, Cuba Libre. 
Um, they were born in Cuba. Um, they married young. God got a hold of their heart in their 30s um, when someone invited them to a little Baptist church in Cuba. And, um, and I really want to hone in on my grandfather, who I love dearly. He just passed away a couple years ago at 98. Um, yes, I love that my kids got to experience and hear all of the amazing stories. Um, and I want to hone in on him because he's such a beautiful example of what it looks like to love with all of your soul, right? My grandmother was amazing. I loved her, but she was tough. You know, she had a little bit of depression. She had anxiety, and he loved her through it. He had to pack up his son at 15 and send him to Spain to hopefully get to America before the Spanish army actually got started when he turned 16, right? Not knowing if he was going to be able or they were going to be able to go. So he really kind of made those tough choices, and then they got permission to come. They came to the United States in their 40s and decided to start life all over again. She never learned the language. She didn't learn how to drive, but he worked sometimes two, three jobs. He was a carpenter. He built beautiful things, and he loved that woman with all of his soul. And I love this picture because he has his hand on her back guiding her, and he's carrying her purse. They're walking through Spain right now because they got to travel some, which I love. But I love this picture because when I look at it, it kind of reminds me of God and how he loves us. Right? He has his hand on our back guiding us, and he's constantly carrying our baggage. And it's just such a beautiful picture. And that's what it looks like, I feel like, to love someone with all of your soul. So as we dive in, like, okay, Pat, but what do you mean? Like, what do you mean, love someone with all? What is your soul? Like, what does that mean? So your soul, a little bit of, little bit of a, a lecture here, your soul is who you are. It's the core you. It's your identity. It's your personality. It's who you are. That's what soul means. So to love someone with all of your soul or love God with all of your soul means to love with all of you. And that, as I started going, I'm like, that's pretty powerful. That's loving God with the core me. But as we're going to go, I'm going to, and I can go into, like, obviously Jesus showed this a million times. He taught us how to do this over and over and over again. This was his commandment, right? This was his commandment. Love your God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That was his commandment to us. So he just, he constantly showed us how to do it. But I wanted to go back. I always love different characters in the Bible. So I wanted to go back to the Old Testament. I want to go back to Genesis, and I wanted to talk about Joseph. Because I feel like Joseph did this really well, and it was so natural. And the whole part of, like, it being natural, like, I pray all the time. I'm like, I want to love like Joseph loved. I want to love God like Joseph loved God. I want to love God with all of my soul. 
So if you don't know who Joseph is, which I'm sure you do, but he was the guy with the coat of many colors, right? When he was a kid, dad loved him and made him a coat and it was so awesome. And his brothers hated him because dad loved him more than, you know, thought dad loved him more than everybody else. Once you have kids, it's a constant battle. My kids are constantly like, well, who do you love more? Who do you love more? You know, and I'm like, I always, whoever's in front of me, I'm like, I love you more, right? I love you more, right? So the brothers were constantly jealous of him. And, um, and then one day he woke up and he was like, oh my gosh, guys, I had the weirdest dream. You guys were like bound down to me. Even his dad was like, wait, your mother and I were bound down to you? He's like, yeah, like the weirdest dream. And his brothers were like, oh my gosh, this kid won't go away enough already. Who, we're never bowing down to you right? So they went off um, because his dad had some sheep and they went off to like kind of tend the sheep. You know, Joseph stayed back and his dad's like, hey, I need you to go over there. I need you to make sure that they're good and then report back to me because cell phones didn't exist back then, guys. They weren't there. So he ran over to kind of see where his brothers were doing, you know, and I just pictured Joseph as this like little happy-go-lucky kid. Like he was like talking about the dreams. He loved his little coat, but he had no idea that people were even annoyed by it. Like, haven't you ever met that person that you're like, oh my gosh, what world do they live in? They're like constantly like this like happy person, right? It's like, welcome to reality. It's not always happy. But that's how I feel like Joseph was. I feel like he skipped over there. He was like, hey, got to town. He's like, hey, have you seen my brothers? They're like, yep, they're over there. He was walking over to him, maybe skipping over to him. And the brothers were like, oh God, here he comes. How annoying. And then one of them like, well, let's just kill him, Right? And then one other brother was like, I mean, have you ever felt that about your sibling? Yes, I have. Um, and so the, one of the other brothers was like, well, we can't kill him, but maybe we should like just throw him in this over here in this little sinister, which was like this huge hole. And then another, they see this like caravan coming. They're like, oh, you know what? I have a better idea. Let's just, just sell him. Let's make money off of him, right? If he has some awesome dreams, let's see how these dreams work now. And that's exactly what they did. They sold him into slavery, and he gets to Egypt. Potiphar buys him, and now he's living in Potiphar's house. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. It's actually in Genesis 39, 2 through 4. And it says, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. With his, when his master saw the Lord was with him, and the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor with him. I love this scripture. And he became his attendant. He became his like right-hand man. I love this part of scripture because Joseph was just being Joseph. Right? He was being who God created him to be. I don't think he knew any different. And he constantly found favor. So I feel like loving God with all of your soul is to live it out in who you are, right? It's the way we live. So you're probably like asking, okay, Pat, but I mean, I don't even know who I am. Like, what do you mean? Your identity, my core me, like, I don't even know who that is. Like, I remember growing up, guys, I didn't know any of this until my 30s. I didn't really know who God created me to be until my 30s. I'm not in my 30s anymore, guys. Almost. Just get out of them. 
But I remember growing up and I had an awesome dad. He was great, but he was super dominant. He was a very, like, very D, very, like, we do this, we do this, an entrepreneur. I mean, super hardworking. He taught me how to work hard and never stop, never give up on my dreams. But he was hard, right? And I loved being with him. He was an older dad, so I just felt like, you know, he always, it was just fun being around him. I'd get in the car and be like, oh, my gosh, dad. I had all these feelings all the time, right? I was like, oh, my gosh, dad, like, did you see the news? Like, I was constantly obsessing about something or someone. And, like, my heart would break for people I didn't even know. And I I didn't understand it. So all I would do was just talk about it and obsess about it or talk about this person or I read this person in the news. Or do you know this girl? Like, there was one time, no joke, we got People magazine, like, back in the day. This was definitely the 80s, um, early 90s. And it was, like, this girl who, like, murdered her family. I know. I became obsessed with her. Like, my heart broke for her. I wanted to write her in jail and be like, there is still time. You have purpose. Like, I, I wanted to. Like, my parents were like, stop. Enough with the girl in jail. And I didn't even understand it. I just, it just is what I felt. But my dad was like, yeah, we have no time for that. You better make good grades. You have to go to college. What do you want to do? And, you know, and I just, every time I felt those things, I kind of pushed him down. I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's just weird. Maybe that's just me being weird. I'm kind of weird. And I just kind of pushed it down, and I kept going. And I got to college, and I always wanted to be a psychologist, right? No, that is no surprise, right? If I love feelings and I love emotions, of course I wanted to be a psychologist. So I got to college, started studying. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And then I met girls in college, wow. Like, I mean, so I didn't really, I, I knew who, I knew who Christ was in my life. I didn't really. So, you know, I was with the best of them, um, but I didn't do what they did. I was just with them, right? And so we're at fraternity houses, and we're at formals, and people were drinking, and I'm like, whoa, did, what is going on? I was like so taken back by everything that was going on. So I was like, okay, listen, I'm going to help. I'm here to help, girls. No worries. You have purpose. Right? So maybe we shouldn't drink so much. But if you do, don't worry. I will pick you up. Do you know how many times at 3 o'clock in the morning in the freezing cold in Auburn, because I went to Auburn, I had to go pick up girls all the time. And then I would, like, walk in because I was dating a guy in fraternity. And so I'd walk in, like, one morning, like, you know, to go to my class. And I'd go pick them up. And we'd catch the little bus into class. And these girls were, like, coming out of the rooms. I'm like, what happened there? What was going on? And it broke my heart. You know how Chrissy talked a couple weeks ago about what breaks your heart and asking God? That was what broke mine. I didn't understand it but it broke my heart that I actually went and started studying alcohol abuse, went and got a master's in it, and then started working at a 28-day program because it broke my heart. And I, I worked in Birmingham where I would get Auburn students and Alabama students all the time. And I loved my job. And so I figured out, but honestly, I, I knew that I was doing that But it was like, okay, but it's a job. And believe me, I switched my job so many times, moved back to Tampa, started having kids. I mean, I lost my way. I had no idea what my purpose was until my 30s. And I realized somebody told me, you know all those feelings you have? You know when you can't stop thinking about somebody? It's how God created you. 
You know how Joseph was created to interpret dreams? You were created to feel that way. And then I started really searching my heart. At this point, I'm on fire for God, right? I'm working at Grace. And 10 years later, I stand on the stage as a pastor. What? <laughs> like, what? You know what? Because that was always God's plan for me. I just didn't know. I know that there was a calling. I understand that now. And now my job is to love people. Like, that's my job. And I love it. Anyone that comes in front of me, if I get to love you, I've had the best day. If I just met you and I get to love you, I've had the best day. And I feel like that's what's loving God with all of your soul. That's what that looks like. So I challenge you today as you sit here in this first characteristic that we're talking about is that do you know yourself well enough? Do you know who you were created to be? Do you know your purpose? Because if you don't, you can't love God with all your soul. You know why? Because you're constantly going to be comparing yourself to somebody else. You're constantly going to be scrolling through Instagram and you're like, dang, why can't I be like her? Or, wow, is that something weird about me? Should I not be doing that? Or all these insecurities are going to come in. And so you can't focus on God and love him with all of who you are. Because you don't know who you are. So I challenge you, if you're sitting in this room today and you're like, you know, I don't know if I know who I am. I will stay after. I will talk to you. I mean, there's a million things out there to figure out. But I'm not talking about personality tests. I'm not talking about being a seven or a one or a two. All those things help. I'm a seven. I love people. But it's, it's deeper than that. So I challenge you to find your core people or find someone that will help you dig deep in figuring out who you are. And so as we go on in the story, right? Because the story continues. So he is now at Potiphar's house. And of course, he meets Potiphar's wife. And she wants what she can't have. And that is Joseph. And so, of course, she starts playing with him. And then all of a sudden, he's like, yeah, no, because he knows who he is. So he doesn't question, right? He knows who he is. He tells her no. She gets upset. She lies to her husband, and he gets put in jail. Yeah, thanks, right? How many of us have done something good and maybe not end up in jail, but definitely you're like, dang, I did that good, and here I am. And there was Joseph. He was in jail. But he still loved God with all of his soul. He was just hanging out in jail until the cupbearer and the baker got there. And if you know the story, they're kind of there, they're hanging out. All of a sudden, they have a dream. And we pick up in Genesis 48, and they say, we both had dreams, they answered, but there's nobody to interpret them. And Joseph said, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dream. I love that he said that because if it was me, I'd be like, oh my gosh, guys, I'm like the best at interpreting dreams. Like, uh, you have no idea. Like, that's why I know why I'm in jail because my brother got super jealous because I was interpreting dreams all the time. But I'm really, really good at it. So tell me your dream because I will tell you what it means. Right? That's how I would have answered. But Joseph didn't. He actually gave all the glory to God. It shows humility. 
which is the next characteristic of loving God with all of your soul and who you are, you have to pursue humility in your life every single day. You have to pursue humility every single day because in this world, guys, it is all about you, right? Isn't that what social media is? Isn't that the influencers? Isn't that, oh my gosh, if I see another person, I'm like, why is every single picture of you? Because I'm an influencer, right? But it's always, it's like the world is telling us, you, 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 you. And it, it barely ever points to God. So I love how Joseph's like, hey, wait, doesn't God do that? Just tell me your dream. I remember I'm a single mom of three kids, right? There were two, four, and six when I got divorced. I, it, was, it took a little adjustment, but then I, I got going. I got going being a mom. I'm like, I am good at this, right? I mean, at first I was like all in the word. I was like my devotions. It was everything I had. I was like, I don't know how to do this by myself. But after a couple years and I had people supporting me, like I was killing the mom game, right? I still had to work a couple jobs and those working at Grace. You know, I got to my kids' school on time most of the time to drop them off and pick them up. Poor thing, sometimes they were there waiting. Um, you know, here I am, I'm taking one here, I'm taking others, we're eating dinner, sometimes cereal, sometimes it was good, it just kind of depended on the day. But I felt like I was killing the mom game. I mean, everybody was alive. That's good. It is good, right? And so we had game nights and we were playing Uno one night and I was, I'm really good at Uno, guys. And I'm pretty competitive and I have raised three competitive kids and I wish that sometimes I'm like, okay guys, you're really competitive. Um, so we were playing Uno. Carmen had a draw four and another, I of course had Uno. And I always keep my draw fours really close because that's the one I hold to the very end. So it doesn't matter what color you put down, I will win. And so she had a draw four in a color, but she put the color down. I put my draw four down and I was like, I'm the winner, I'm the winner, I'm the winner. And I was super excited. And Thomas is like, Carmen, why did you just put the draw four down? Mom wouldn't have won. And I'm over here dancing, super excited that I won. And Carmen goes, I feel bad. She always loses at life. I was like, yeah, what? <laughs> Wait, what did you say? I mean, mom, I just feel bad. I feel like you kind of always lose at life. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm doing this life thing pretty good. But it stopped me in my tracks. It took everything I had not to stop, like not to start bawling right in front of them. Bedtime was a little early that night. That game was the last game and everybody went to bed. And I was like, holy, what the heck? <laughs> and after a couple nights of unpacking her heart, which I did often, she's like, what looked like me killing the game and rushing here and rushing there and trying to be super mom and super dad and super, you know, cheer coach mom or whatever the heck I was doing at the time, it looked like complete chaos to her. It looked like complete chaos. And she said, I just want you to be my mom. And God spoke to her at that moment and opened my eyes and humbled me like I've never been humbled before. 
Here I thought I was being everything. It was in my strength. It was in my mind. I was loving out of my heart and my soul. And all she saw was complete chaos. And I have to probably admit, probably God saw chaos too. And I changed a lot after that. And I want to leave you guys with this question and this challenge. Where in your life are you telling God, hey, yeah, no worries. You got it. You know what? Thanks, God. I really appreciate your help, but I got it. Like, where in your life are you saying that? And I'm telling you, to love God with all your heart, you would say, hey, God, you got this, right? You've got me, right? You're here, right, God? That's what loving God with all of your soul looks like. So ask yourself that question. Where in your life are you like, hey, God, I've got it? And where can you switch that and be like, wait, God, you got it, right? And that's what it looks like to love God with all of your soul. And so as we continue with the story, because the story still continues, you know, Joseph was, um, had interpreted the dreams. The cupbearer and the baker left. And right before they left, he said, don't forget about me, please. Don't forget about me. They got out. The baker died. Ooh. The cupbearer lived and continued doing what he was doing. Two years later, poor Joseph sitting in jail for two years. Pharaoh has a dream. The cupbearer listened. He's like, oh my gosh, I got a guy. I got a guy. I know a guy. He's in jail. No worries. He's pretty awesome, but he's in jail. I'm going to go get him. I'm going to clean him up for you. I'm going to put him in front of you. You tell him your dream. I bet you he can tell you what it means. And that's exactly what happened, right? Joseph goes in front of Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells him dreams, right? It was seven years of abundance, seven years of famine. And once he heard it, he's like, yep, that's what it means, but I've got a plan. Pharaoh's like, I love it. I love plans. Listen, I'm just going to make you the head of everything. I'm going to make you over all of Egypt. You're good, right? You're good. I'm good. Awesome. I want to just be Pharaoh. You do the work. And that's exactly what Joseph did. He went around. He made sure everybody was collecting what he was supposed to be collecting. Seven years of abundance ended. Seven years of famine started. Two years into the famine, what happens? He's sitting on his, like, little throne and making sure at this point he, what his job was to, like, when people came, they're like, hey, we need food because we don't have any. Okay, awesome. What's your family? Here you go. And then all of a sudden he was sitting there, and who comes up? His brothers. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's who you guys are, huh? What you need? You hungry? <laughs> right? I mean, that's how it would be if my brother came <laughs> and he wanted to kill me. Um, so, <laughs> and Joseph was, he was kind of angry, right? He didn't be like, oh my gosh, I love you guys. He didn't say that. He actually was kind of a little, you know, your spies, go find my dad, who's this? They went back and forth a couple times. And then we get here to Genesis 45, 1 through 8. Then Joseph could no longer control himself. Before all of his attendants, he cried out and said, everyone leave my presence. So with no one, so no one was with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. 
Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were so scared to talk that they didn't say anything. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close. When they had done so, I am your brother Joseph, the one that you sold into Egypt. And now do not distress, do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was, a, it was to save the lives of, that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and no reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for the remnant on earth and to save your lives by, by a great deliverance. So then... It was not you who sent me here, but God. I just, I, I just, it's like, that's pretty amazing, right? Because at that moment, I feel like to love God with all of your soul, and I just feel like Joseph did it so well, was to make really tough choices. And I think to love God with all of your soul is to make tough choices. At that moment, he had to forgive. He had to make the choice to forgive his brothers, to forgive everything, and look at the picture from such a higher level. My life verse is Isaiah 55, 9. It's his ways are higher and his thoughts are higher. And I feel like at that moment, like Joseph's like, guys, there was such a bigger picture. Don't even be upset. Don't be mad. Like this was what it was supposed to be. And he had to make the tough choice, number one, to believe that. Because let me tell you, when you're in it in the middle of a storm, when you're in the middle of something that's hurting, when you're in the middle of something that's happening that you didn't plan, it is hard to see the bigger picture. It is hard to make the choice to forgive. It is hard to say, you know what? I know he's not God's best for me, so I'm not going to date him, even though I want to find someone so bad. You have to make tough choices to love God because at that moment, I feel like what he's saying there is like, you know what, guys? We just, I just, we just trusted God. Like, look. Look what he did. I just trusted him. So to love God with all of your soul, I feel like is to, you have to make tough choices. And today, I'm telling, I mean, I would, I mean, I loved that I grew up where I grew up. <laughs> I loved that I was in high school in the 90s. They were awesome, right? I love that the early 2000s was when I was in college. It was great. We didn't have social media. We didn't even have phones. Like, it took me forever to get a phone. I didn't even want one. It was just what it was. We were laughing the other day because I remember getting excited because I asked my parents for a phone, my own line. You guys already know what that is. <laughs> right? Everyone had a landline, and I was so tired of my mom listening to my conversations that I begged when I turned 15, can you just give me my own line? And she gave me my own line. And then when I'd get in trouble, she'd take the phone out. She'd unplug it from the wall, but she'd leave my answer machine in. So when my friends called, I still heard them. I'm like, I'm here. <laughs> I just can't answer. <laughs> It was just so simple. I talk to my kids sometimes, and my girls are like, gosh, it seemed so simple back then. And it really was. It really, truly was. It's hard today. It's hard to make those tough choices, to love God with all of your heart and make those tough choices. 
it's hard to sit here on a Tuesday and then go to USF or work or wherever you guys go and just be like, oh, but, but I know this is what it looks like to love God. I know this is what it looks like to love him. But everyone's going out. But my boyfriend wants me to spend the night. Or whatever that question is to make those tough choices. And I tell my kids all the time, as I hammer this into them over and over again, you know, sometimes making those tough decisions, it's like life is kind of easier. I know it's tough to say no to a friend. I know it's tough to say no to the guy that you really like, that really wants you to come over, and there's not going to be anyone in the apartment, and you know that you really want to, and you know that you can probably do it, but then you're like, but can we? Can we, like, still stay pure and be in the apartment by ourselves together? And it's so hard to say no. But sometimes saying no, like, life just gets easy, right? Because you don't have all the consequences that you deal with all the mistakes you might make. And I say sometimes when you make the easy choice, that quick choice, that fast choice, I feel like life gets so much harder. And I feel like even with Joseph, like when he got into the pot of his house, it's like he had favor because of the good choices that he made, right? Because everyone saw God in him and him in God. When people see you at work, at school, wherever you guys go, do they see that? Do they like, there's something about her. There's something about him. That's just different. I like it. Is that what people are saying? I'm not saying, I'm not sitting up here and saying it's super easy to love God with all of your soul and all of who you are. It's not. It's super difficult. It's difficult for your age, difficult for my age. It's hard to make the right decisions. It's hard not to, someone really annoyed you at, you know, whatever and go and talk bad about them. It's so easy to do. But I challenge you guys, if you're sitting in this room today, if you don't know from the core of who you are, first start there. Start, like, really searching your heart and who you are. Dive into scripture. Find an accountability group. Ask them. I always say, what is it like being on the other side of me? What is it like being on the other side of me? I ask my kids that all the time. I give them complete permission. We have like intentional dates and I sit across the table from my son and I say, how am I doing parenting? How's it going? And I give him permission to speak freely. When he started high school and he was at a tough high school, I was in every day. I'm like, oh my gosh, your grades. Oh my gosh, your grades. He's like, mom, it's the beginning of the semester. Like we don't even have grades yet, <laughs> you know? And I was like, oh my gosh, but are you going to, are you going to get to college? I hope you get into college. You think you're going to get into college? He's like, you know what, mom, let's do a deal here because you're driving me crazy. If I get lower than this, you can nag me all you want. I gave him the permission to look across the table for me and say, hey, mom, that, like, to be on the other side of you is a little annoying, right? And I loved that. I love that I do that with all three of them. We sit and have intentional time. I challenge you to ask your friends, and not just your friends, but maybe somebody older than you, maybe somebody in a different kind of age bracket. What is it like being on the other side of me? And then humility. Am I saying, hey, God, I've got this? Or am I saying, hey, God, you've got this? I'm going to go where you go. I'm going to follow you where you take me. 
you know the hand that's in the back and the baggage you're carrying? I'm just going to go wherever you're leading me and know that you've got it. It's so important. And finally, hey, just make the tough choice, guys. I know it's hard, but just make the tough choice. Like sacrifice sometimes. Say no when you really want to say yes. I promise if he's good or she's awesome, she'll stick around. He'll stick around. I promise that if you decide to, you know, say, hey, yeah, I'm not going to come over, and you guys decide to get married and you're walking down the aisle, and you're like, I'm so glad I didn't go over. I'm so glad that I can walk down the aisle and look at my husband to be almost in just a second and know that I did it right and not feel anything bad about it. I know that when my coworkers or my students, that, you know, like my friends at school, when they look at me, they're like, gosh, there's something about her that I just love. There's something about him that just stands out. That's what I pray for you guys. That's what breaks my heart. You have purpose. There's so many awesome things. I'm going to pray and we'll end. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this group of people that is sitting in front of me, Lord. What a humbling moment to stand here and just let them know that, gosh, you are so worth loving with all of our soul. Lord, you are so worth living it out. Lord, you are so worth being humble. You are so worth all of these hard choices that we have to make. It is so worth it in the end, Lord. I know that you have every single person here in your hand. I know that they are meant for something so great, Lord. I just pray that if they're struggling, if they don't know their purpose, Lord, I just pray right now that you just download it, that you open their hearts and their eyes and their ears to listen, to know what you have called them to do. That they don't have to wait till they're in their 30s, that they could do it right now. That they don't have to waste years of figuring it out because you already know what you called them to do, Lord. So I just pray that if they're sitting here confused, Lord, I just pray that you just download it, that they know and then they just go chase after it with all they have, Lord. Thank you for every single person in this room, Lord, that can hear your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.